Welcome to the OT lifestyle movement. This is for the occupational therapy visionaries and the ones who see things differently. We're moving our profession forward through living and leading a truly holistic lifestyle. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the OT lifestyle movement. I'm Rhiannon Crisp, occupational therapist, personal trainer, and founder of otlifestylemovement.com. Today, we are talking all about how to create and market a wildly successful online OT course. We are fortunate enough to be soaking up the pearls of wisdom from OT OT business guru, Melissa Lapointe. Melissa supports OTs from around the globe to thrive in business and make more money doing work that lights them up. Her areas of specialty include strategic planning, sales and marketing, leadership development and performance coaching welcome melissa thank you so much that was a lovely i need you to do my um sounds so much better when you say it versus when i write it your australian accent i need to record you doing my intros more often (laughs) what we do first of all is we like to hit the rewind button and learn a little bit about your story so if you can take us back so we can hear a little bit about your journey and how you came to do all the amazing stuff that you're doing today Oh my goodness. How far back do you want to go? Um, So let's start with my first online course. How about we start there? (laughs) So um, at that point, I had already been practicing for quite some time. I created my first online course. So I started in pediatrics. I was a pediatric practitioner. uh, So one of your former guests was my mentor. So I'm based out of British Columbia, Canada, and a rural generalist meaning as a pediatric practitioner, I practiced in all the areas. Um, So focused on early intervention and my areas of specialty were sensory processing, developmental trauma, addiction, mental health, intergenerational trauma, and really, so a former guest, uh, Kim Barthel, she was my mentor and she actually helped to weave a common thread amongst, you know, brain injury, seating clinic, challenging behaviors. I was doing all the things, but one commonality amongst all the different people I was working with, really looking at awareness of myself and the therapeutic use of relationship and that you know the power of interpersonal neurobiology the power of belief and that is what helped me to venture off into the world of prenatal postnatal health so once i became pregnant i took a break from pediatrics to have my baby and i'm very fortunate to live in canada where we get 50 weeks off and it was during that time that i decided i actually wanted to specialize in prenatal postnatal health and that was when i stumbled into the world um, to say i was an accidental entrepreneur would be putting it mildly but i really knew i wanted to work in prenatal postnatal health and in order to do that there were no such positions i had to create my own position so welcome to the world of entrepreneurship and problem solving um it wasn't very far in so i started a brick and mortar practice i figured that was my entry point with my consulting work on the side i always knew that consulting and teaching was a very high up on my list um, they have been for quite some time professional development workshops this was in par what lit me up in addition to pediatrics. So I ventured off into the world of entrepreneurship, had no idea what I was doing, and then ran into some health challenges when I didn't have very much um, in terms of financial stability and I no longer had health benefits. Uh, So it was a bit of a scary time. And 
you know, in part, now was primary caregiver, caregiver to a toddler who has been sleeping a lot. And the ebbs and flows of entrepreneurship, getting paid every six to eight weeks, while I wanted to pay my team sooner than that, and a lot of financial stress and a lot of struggles. Uh, so I did what a lot of creative entrepreneurs would do. I problem solved on another revenue stream. And at that point, I had tried doing some in-person workshops back to what I had done before I was the mom. And it was bloody hard in terms of taking my little guy with me. You know, I would be on the road, I would get a family, a caregiver to come, someone to help. I'd be working on my slides at night after we would go to bed. I would try to get them set up in the morning. I'd be gone for the day. Sometimes I'd be trying to see them at lunch. I didn't see it as sustainable, but I'm very stubborn and I don't like giving up things that I love. And one of the things that I love is living in a rural community. We don't have a lot of easy access. We have an airport, but it's a very small airport. The one I usually travel out of is three and a half hours away. And, but there are a lot of pieces to living in a small community that I do like. So at that point, I had enough OTs reaching out to me in women's health and prenatal postnatal health. I had tried a face-to-face -face workshop. It had gone okay, but it was a lot of work and I knew I, something had to shift. So I created my first online course in 2015. It was very, um, it was a mountain that I conquered because I had no idea. There's certainly, it, it was a much, it's much lower barrier of entry now than it was when I started in 2015. There were programs in 2015, nothing like today. There was still a lot of figuring it out on my own. I very naively thought that I could recreate what I had done in person and simply record it and put it online. And isn't that how you create an online course? Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't realize that marketing the online course was 90% of the work, um, but nonetheless created an online course. I also didn't realize that small bite-sized chunks may be a little bit better. So my first online course was massive. <laughs> I went all in, um, but I learned, you know, that's how we learn. We put things out in the world and we learn what goes well and what doesn't go well. And we get clear on where the gap is in what we thought might happen and what actually happened and we accommodate and we roll with the punches. So, so that was 2015. I don't remember how many OTs, I wanna say 35 in my first round. And then I ran it again in 2016. And then I ran it again in 2017. I actually feel like I took a step back in 2017 in some ways, it was a little messier. I tried a new platform and it was in 2017 that we took another step forward in terms of letting go of my brick and mortar altogether to go all in in the online space. Now, the reason I let go of that vine, so to speak, was because we were in a state of emergency and I was evacuated from my home from the wildfires for two months. And I didn't have, again, my back was up against the wall. I'm an entrepreneur. I have overhead, I have rent, I have expenses, I have assessment tools, I have equipment, and it's all very far away in the office where I cannot access because of the wildfires. So that's when I launched my first membership community. Um, you know, again, just learning to roll with the punches and be flexible with the situation with the, you know, with what was happening at that time. So I started my membership community and then it was the following year that I let go of the brick and mortar altogether. I also let go of my OT license altogether. So I actually stepped away from the OT profession and I started my new business. So it was a coaching training business geared towards OTs. It didn't have 
it was based on my experience on my training in marketing, in sales, in leadership, but it was geared towards OTs. So it was very much a business that I wanted to give it a shot and do it without my OT hat at all. And that's what I did. So I targeted OTs for quite some time with my work. And actually just recently I relicensed. Um, so I am back in the OT profession. I've, I'm a few months in, but I did take a step away. It didn't feel like a break because I was still surrounded by OTs all the time. And here we are today. You know, we have a six-figure coaching training business that I run from my home primarily. We work with the most amazing therapists in the world. We have been failing multiple times, and that's how we've gotten here, is to keep screwing up and keep learning what's working, what's not working, keep finding the right people, um, offer less, slow down to speed up. And really, you know, we've been doing a lot of digging deep into the world of entrepreneurship and learning how to be a CEO. I think that was the biggest um, roller coaster of a ride for me in 2020 was really leaning into the leadership component and building a team and letting go of control. Wow, 2020 had some tough lessons in that in that uh, category. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And what I love about it is that it sounds like you just started and the work and everything just started to unfold for you. Opportunities presented itself and you sort of just went for it. And as you said, you started to lean in, but also at the same time, let go of certain things. So thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of other OTs will be able to resonate with that. And it's a really, it's a really real experience of it. It's not, um, you know, this perfect, you know, orchestrated experience and journey that we go through and it is it is in the stuffing up and the trying again and picking ourselves back up again that makes us and makes us um yeah bring these awesome things to the world yeah. what i wanted to yeah, start no. with yeah what i wanted to start with is so a lot we have a lot of entrepreneurial OTs. And as you said, we are great problem solvers. So we come up with these fantastic ideas with how we can solve certain problems in our communities and in society and even the world. Um, and I suppose some OTs may have already got courses. They may already have certain online products and some may not, but they know that they want to get their message out there to a bigger audience. They want to serve more people why might an online course be a great way to go about this? Um, well, I'm going to back up and say it's not necessarily the best way to go about this. So that's one of the myths that I like to bust. Um, so often people think, oh, I want a form of online revenue. So I'm going to create an online course and I'm going to put my blood, sweat and tears into this online course. And as soon as I get my pay now button up on my website, whew, I can go to the beach and make money. Right. And the reality is there's not one single person out there who's waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat thinking about, oh, my gosh, I need to go on Google and buy an online course right now. That's what's going to solve it for me. That's not true. 
people don't care about the online course per se. They care about the problems that you're solving. They care about the pain points that you're addressing. The online course is one way you can do that. Just like a coaching program is one way you can do that. And a membership community is one way you can do that. And often we get stuck in the vehicle as opposed to the outcome, as opposed to the transformation that we can create. And I love to teach people about the fundamentals. So that way, if you create a course and it feels like it's too much work, or it feels like it's no longer resonating, or it's not attracting the audience you were wanting it to, you can pivot. You don't have to throw the whole thing out. You can easily pivot. Okay, we're going to create the offer this way or that way. There are a million different ways to do it. So that's part of what I want to address. An online course may not be the best fit for you. It may not be the best fit for your audience. You know, if you're targeting six-year-olds, don't create an online course. <laughs> you know, if you're targeting, but there are, you know, if you're targeting people who are visually impaired, a standard online course, is that the best route? Maybe. There are lots of ways you could accommodate, but don't think the online course is the you know, the golden ticket. It's not. It's really looking at what is the problem? What is the pain point? How are you packaging that? And are you targeting the right people? You know, and, and going that route. And then there's a lot you can do with an online course. Absolutely. But again, it's going to come back to 90% of it is around your messaging and your selling. I see people think, oh, I've created it. Ooh, hard work's done. I can walk away. And part of me cringes on the inside because it's like, oh, your journey is actually just starting. You know, now we get to really lean in and do what so many OTs shy away from is selling and marketing and shouting from the rooftops and drawing attention to ourselves. You know, that's where I see a lot of therapists really get stuck. They love creating. They'll, they'll create all day long. That's not where they're getting stuck. It's coming over and actually implementing and putting yourself out there. And now we have to have the talk about money, pricing, how to, like all of that stuff that comes with it, the internal conflict of profiting of, you know, we're health professionals. Generally, we're putting out content related to people not necessarily being well, and we're profiting off of that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's a whole other conversation that we can lean into. But in this case, we have to at least talk about it. You know, there is an internal conflict that's happening. And if we don't talk about it, if we don't address the elephant in the room, you're still going to hit a glass ceiling. You know, there's so many moving parts to creating an online product. I think that's so important. What you just brought up is that an online course isn't for everyone. And we need to be meeting our clients and our customers where they're at and tailoring the right service delivery model for them. Is it an online course? Is it a summit? Is it a product? Is it... Um, like you said, a membership site, what is it that they will get the most value out of? So what would the benefits of an online course be? So if someone did assess this and think, okay, yes, my audience would benefit from an online course, how, do, how does that help them? How does it help their audience as well? What are the benefits of doing a course? Well, I think part of it, is we can't just ask, is it going to serve our, our audience? We need to create businesses that serve us. Why else are we creating businesses? So it doesn't matter if it serves your audience. It also has to serve you. If it doesn't light you up, don't do it. Please don't do it. You know, it's hard work. And why do something that is not serving you? Now, 
in terms of serving your audience, it depends on your audience, but there are a lot of different ways that we live in an era where, you know, things are accessible, bite-sized chunks. I work from home. I'm a mom. That's how I consume my content. I'm out hiking with my dog. I'm, you know, doing dishes, folding laundry. I consume a lot of my content while I'm doing my ADLs. And so I think that's something to consider is that we live in an era where people are getting used to learning in this way. We're in a pandemic. Um, so part of it is, you know, meet your, meet your people where they are, yes, but be honest and in integrity with what is going to serve you and create something. Because if you create an offer that you absolutely love, I can promise you something, it's a heck of a lot easier to sell. If you have a product that is feeling heavy, do you know how hard that is to sell? Like selling is hard enough. At least let's create something that we absolutely love that we can't wait to talk about because that makes the selling piece so much easier. Um, and again, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's the product itself, really looking at, there are so many different features that we can include in an online course. So, and, and they're all, if you imagine a, a jigsaw puzzle, you know, there's so many different pieces to the jigsaw puzzle that for each person, it's going to be a little bit individualized in terms of what they get out of it and the transformation that it can create in their lives. Everyone's journey is going to be a little bit different. So it's hard to, you know, it's hard to figure that out. But then when we do figure it out, we have to make sure we're going back and getting testimonials and asking our people and getting them to talk about it and then try to replicate what we did. You know, when we have success, can we replicate it? Because that's the other thing. We have some people who have success, but they don't know how they had that success. And then they go from here to trying to do it again. And it doesn't go so well because maybe it was a fluke. Maybe it was the right place at the right time. Maybe it was, you know, because of their hard work, but next time the variables changed and it's a bit of a free fall. You know, it's like, wait a sec, what happened? What did I do wrong? So really figuring out with any online product, thinking of it as an effective business machine. It is a machine and you want to find ways to improve the productivity, improve the efficiency, be aware of the input going in. You know, we want the output to be bigger than the input and really, you know, whether it's a membership, whether it's an online course, um, but those different moving pieces, they create an opportunity to they create an opportunity to leave an imprint on someone's life. And you don't always know the significance of that imprint. You don't always know when your course content or when a group call or when a facilitated connection is going to have a huge impact on someone's life. So that's where, you know, it's mm. so important to, to show up and put your stuff out there. Mm, absolutely. What, what kind of different online courses are there? How can we deliver an online course? Because I know you can have courses that are live, you can have courses that are pre-recorded, you can tailor them to specific, you know, specific learning styles. What are some of the different ways that we can present yeah. courses? Oh my goodness. I would say the opportunities are endless. Um, and again, it's finding a little bit what works for you. Um, I, in my programs, we talk about monetize it before you make it. So running a beta and charging for it. 
there's nothing wrong with that. If you give something away for free, chances are it's going to actually be less effective, let's be honest. Um, you and I could compare notes right now in terms of how much content we have for free that we do not go through on our computers, <laughs> right? Um, so I teach my people to create programs and put a price on it and monetize it as they make it. Don't wait to create the program until you charge for it there's still value, there's great value in, in being part of a pilot and being part of a beta. Um, and that helps, it certainly helps to take some pressure off. You know something is of, you know that people are willing to pay, so that's part of it. You don't have to be in your head wondering, is someone even gonna pay for this? You have people invested. So it makes creating content a heck of a lot more enjoyable when you have people in front of you. And again, whether it's live or pre-recorded. When I created my program with a two-year-old underfoot, I can tell you live did not go so well. I tried, it did not go well. <laughs> so, so that's where find what meets you as well. Um, I live in a small home and finding times that I have the house to myself doesn't always meet the needs of my audience, doesn't always meet the needs of my fam. You know, we're always juggling. So we do a combination of live because I do like to deliver to an audience and pre-recorded simply because of convenience. You know, there are times that it's convenient for me, but maybe not for everybody else. So I wouldn't get so stuck on, you know, I would get something and get feedback on it because that's the best way to figure out, you know, don't guess. So often we love to guess and wait and hold on to things until it's perfect. Ask your audience, find your audience, figure out who your audience is. That's part of it. You have to get clear on your audience. You have to understand your client avatar and then put something out and then ask them, get feedback but get really clear on what is that transformation that you want to create with your product. You know, that's, that's part of what you have to do is get clear on that. And then it comes together. And the first version is going to be different than the second version. Nothing lasts forever. So if it's not perfectly perfect, that's okay. You're going to get it a little bit better next time. And so I would say get something together. I mean, there's some rules of thumb. Like I, certain amount of modules, um, more is not better. So that is the other myth I want to bust. Oh, I'm going to charge more because it's a longer course. When, if I'm telling you I can get you from point A to point B, and I say you have two options. Option number one is I can get you there in two hours. Same result, but option number one, I can get you there in two hours. Option number two, I can get you there in 23 hours. Which one is of more value to you? Your time is of value. So me loading up tons of content isn't serving you. And that's another piece that as therapists, we have to realize not everyone loves to learn like we do. Oh, we love to learn. Not everyone loves to learn. So putting in more content doesn't mean your program or your product is worth more. It means there's a better chance you're going to overwhelm your audience and not get them. I think it's like 95% of people don't finish an online course. The I was going to are say unbelievable in terms of who actually yeah, in terms of who actually gets to the finish line. So don't think you're putting, you know, more isn't better. Yeah. And I feel like as entrepreneurs, we want to throw everything in there and the kitchen sink because the more content they have, the more value we have given them. But like you said, we want to provide something where we have already weeded everything out and we've just given them that really succinct concise information so they can make that transformation that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, there's so much content overwhelm is real. 
you know, it's so real. And yeah, when people are overwhelmed, that's not, I mean, we, that's not how the brain works. When the brain is in overwhelm, that's not the time to be teaching new concepts. So really being careful and who we're targeting and why, and, you know, again, how are we getting them to the end line? Mm. And let's be honest, most of the information that we'll be sharing is already out there in the world for free. They can already access this information for free, um, whether it's through your own blog and different content or whether it's through someone else's. So this is where the marketing really comes into play, doesn't it? Um, how you, I mean, how you market something is so imperative because like these podcasts that we do, we provide so much information for free already. Um, so can we dive into the marketing side of it? Because I know you said as OTs and health professionals, this is something that we shy away from is selling. Um, what can we do to market an online course? Where do we start? And is it with the mindset? I mean, let, let's dive into it. I'm not sure if I would say there's one specific place to start. Think of it more as a revolt. There's no graduation date. There's no like, oof, I've got this figured out. So that's part of it is this is all about the destination. It really isn't, you know, it's all about, let me change that. It's all about the journey, not the destination. Um, so looking at with marketing, you know, some, some common roadblocks, some common obstacles. Number one is learning how to write copy. A lot of therapists think, oh, you're very strong communication skills. I could look at your resume. I'm sure many of you have that written on there. That doesn't mean you know how to write copy. Writing copy is a skill set that every entrepreneur has to learn. It is something, sure, you could outsource it. It's very, it, and many people do, but you still, how do you even know who you're outsourcing to? How do you know if they're writing good copy? And in order to write good copy, you have to write copy. That's like, there's no shortcut. There is no, you, you have to learn that skill. And one of Melissa, the ways to write can I just copy ask, is- yeah, what, what is copy? Can you explain yeah. that? Like, how is it different? Sure, yes. So what we mean by writing copy, um, writing, so in your messaging. So for example, writing copy on a landing page, an email, it's the actual words that you're using. And you're using the words as a tool to connect with your audience. You're using the words as a tool to, you know, really establish a touch point. And it's an ask. It's an ask for someone to read your words. It's an ask for somebody to open an email. And that doesn't come lightly these days. It's very noisy out there. And if you're writing in a way that doesn't resonate, that doesn't engage the emotional part of someone's brain, they're going to bounce. You know, they don't want to read a report. There are some rules to writing copy that it's very different than writing a report. And if you, you know, if I get an email that sounds clinical, I don't, I'm not working in clinical right now. Like that's not what I want to read. Uh, and for a lot of our people, we tend to keep our clinical hat on when we're writing, but it's writing copy. You know, again, we have to get really clear on our messaging, our marketing. You can start a sentence with a preposition. You can start a sentence with a conjunction and copy and it's okay. You want to write at a grade four level. You want to write so people scan and scroll. That's really important. Don't do big paragraphs. People don't read like that anymore. And that's the reality. Like, I'm not making that up. That's just the reality. So break things up so it's a bit more easy for people to scan and scroll. When you're writing something, um, one action item. Have one action item in mind. Don't give them five different links. You're confusing them. 
Give them one, one thing. If you're sending an email, what's one action you want them to take? And that could be, I'm not saying buy, buy, buy. Your audience is gonna get tired of that. Click, read, listen. Um, these are all actions, you know? So even, and I mean, there's different formulas you can follow. So if you're sending an email, the first sentence of the email, your only goal is for them to read the second sentence. Your headline, your subject line, the only goal is for them to open the email. So if you can break it down into baby steps and see the power behind your words, it may motivate you to do more market research and get that much clearer on your audience. If you don't know the language they're using, get on the phone. That's the first thing you have to do. Learn their language because that's the language you have to be writing in. You know how, it doesn't matter if you are, so if you're an OT and you are, so let's say sensory background, pediatrics, and you're working with parents of children with sensory sensitivities, what are their pain points? Their pain points aren't, um, you know, vestibular difficulties. Their pain points aren't hyposensitivities. Like their pain points are my child won't sleep. My child's super picky at eating and it's causing me and my husband to fight a lot. Like that's a pain point, right? And how do they describe those pain points? And that's what we have to bring back to our website where, so that's another place we write copy. Um, a website, a sales page, a description, a Facebook post. So these are all examples of writing copy. And you have to know your audience. You have to know the language they're using. You have to know where they're hanging out. You have to know their pain points because that's how you're going to develop a relationship with them and then they're going to trust you to buy and sure you could say well lots of people have this content a lot of my you know with my audience there are lots of people saying what i'm saying but my audience is invested in me and they trust me and they want to hear it from me because i've been talking and teaching and mentoring them for so long and sure, like some of, you know, I'm like, oh, why would you listen to me when my, you know, my coach or my mentor is teaching it? And it's like, because I know you and I want to hear it from you because they're not my coach or mentor. So that's something we have to remember as well. Sure, there are a lot of people who may be saying similar things. There's no one like you. There's nobody like you. And your audience is attracted to you and your unique experiences and the way you're saying it for a reason. So don't discredit that. Don't think, oh, I won't tell them that because someone else is, but they're not with someone else. They're with you. You know, I don't want 15 doctors to tell me something. I want my doctor to tell me something. I don't want to hear it from 40 therapists. That's exhausting to have to find 40 other therapists to tell me something. I want to hear it from my therapist. So that's another way that we serve our audience is we, we give them what they need and they want to hear from us. Um, so mm. really making sure we don't quiet that voice. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I think a lot of that imposter syndrome comes into play, doesn't it? Um, and it's something we're constantly Absolutely. working on. <laughs> um, all right. So yes. let's talk about a course launch. What's the best way to launch a course yeah. to the world? To do it. <laughs> so, so that's part of it um, is to is to actually launch it uh, that's a big piece to it is to actually just pull the trigger and say you're going to do it um, knowing so a lot of times people think oh if it's available all the time I'll get more sales when that is actually not true so to consider doing a cart close cart open date where you're actively selling during that time but then you actually close the doors 
So there are a lot of rhythms to the online world that people don't realize. And if you resist it, you're going to burn out. So when I say rhythms, you know, we have busy seasons in our business where we we're in a busy season right now. But in a few weeks, we are in rest and recovery, and we're going to stay there for a few weeks. And, you know, there's really nice rhythms. So selling or launching a course, you can imagine a movie coming out. The movie doesn't just show up. There are previews, there are trailers, you know, McDonald's is selling the characters and their Happy Meals. There's a lot of hoopla about it. Then the movie comes out. And with an online course, don't wait until you're selling the course for people to have any idea about the course. So talk about it beforehand. That's what we call a launch runway. Build your runway. Don't just wait until the sales page comes out. A sales page isn't meant to, a sales page is meant to close the deal. It's not meant to introduce the offer. By the time someone gets to a sales page, ideally, they already have an idea of what you're offering. The sales page is where it's the puzzle box. It's showing them everything that's in the box. And often people wait until the sales page thinking that will bring in the sale and they don't have the results that they want. So looking at it as your launch runway, build it up before you launch it. And then when you're actually launching, consider doing cart open, cart close. In my community, they've learned the hard way. You know, I could bring many of them on where they're like, no, no, Melissa, you tell us that, but we're not going to do it. We're going to do two weeks. And then at the end of the two weeks, they're like, you told me and I didn't listen, but I will next time <laughs> where they're doing more five days and then celebrating it at the end of the five days. And then, you know, intentionally scheduling in rest and recovery, because then you have to switch gears. Then you have fulfillment. You have people that you have to serve and not to forget about that. And if you give it all and you're selling all the time and you forget about serving your people, well, your course isn't going to go so well either. So those are pieces of the puzzle um, is build a launch runway, have a cart open, cart close, understand components of a sales page is certainly helpful. You know, how we write a sales page. And I'm not saying you always have to have a sales page. I've sold lots without sales pages um, and really getting clear on your offer, getting clear on the promise, getting clear on the transformation and the pain point and learning how to write better copy. Um, and I think keeping it simple, you can build on it over time, but if it's your first launch and you've never had an integration or an automation in your life, keep it simple. You know, it could be literally get on a phone call, talk to somebody, they sign up through a PayPal link, and then you give them access to some content that you have. Like there are lots of ways to keep it simple. And in the beginning, you don't need the bells and whistles. You don't have a system for that. You shouldn't have the bells and whistles yet. Um, wait until you have your feet a little bit more solidly planted under you and then do what we call a rinse and repeat cycle. Launch it again. You know, you don't have to have it available all the time. If you have it available all the time, people, people aren't buying it all the time. You still have to put work into launching it. So scarcity, there's something to be said about scarcity. So you were talking about the launch runway and how important it is to warm your audience up before you go out and launch a course because they need to have that no like and trust factor with you. They need to know you, they need to like you, they need to trust you. So showing up on social media and whatever your preferred platform is, whether it is Instagram or Facebook, and there are, there are so many more options these days for us to market ourselves, market our business, market our courses. Um, so really showing up and doing that pre-work and being consistent with it before we go out and launch a course and then expect 
everything to magically fall into place. Um, so there were so many important points there. And the other important point I think you mentioned was that we don't have to, um, God. Okay, so we might start to wrap it up, but before we do, I'd love to know any top tips for any entrepreneurs out there who are wanting to create a course for their audience and whatever that course might look like. What are your top tips for them to get started, to get the work done and to bring their vision to the world? Um, so some of them I've already mentioned, but they are worth reiterating because they are that important. <laughs> so if you're like, oh, I've heard this before. No, if we were to jump on a one-on-one -on -one call, I would still start here. Um, get clear on your niche. You know, and I, and I cannot, we have, when someone lands on your website or lands on, on your offer, that you have five to eight seconds for them to either be attracted or repelled. And repelling is okay. It's okay. If you're repelling people that aren't the right fit, get clear on who you want in your program, get clear on who you're targeting, get clear on your audience, niche down with an online course. If you try to talk to everybody, you are going to talk to nobody. I am not making this up. I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> so that's one thing. Get super clear on your niche. It's going to make it easier. Less is, more. so in this case, more is, don't make it too big. You know, if you're like, but I have 17 modules, it's too big. You know, eight to 12 minutes is a nice length, nice size bite, you know, bite-sized chunk. Um, I've done ones, you know, there are ones that can be longer, but break it up. Think of it as a book. You have to break the book up into chapters, the chapters into pages. And don't try to stick too much in. More content doesn't mean more, more value. Talk about your product. Get a beta tester in there. Get more than one. And if you say, well, I don't know who to find. Well, that's going to be a pretty big problem when you have your online course. So go find them. Well, I don't know if they'll buy it. Well, get them on a call and start selling your online course. Learn about their objections. And as you get more questions and more objections, translate that over to a sales page. Translate that over to an intro video, right? Like it's this, all, it's this constant volley back and forth. Oh, this is an objection is they don't have enough time, but don't they understand that my course will save them time? Well, they're not going to understand that if you don't have that front and center, you know, Oh, but I want to spend more time with my family and, and I, you know, I'm juggling too many things, but my course is about reducing screen time and giving you more quality time with your family. We'll tell them that get super clear on what your course is going to solve and do it. You know, one of the best, don't wait till you have an email list of 3000 people. Guess how I've built my email list and I don't have a huge email list. That's okay. I, I'm doing just fine. You guys, I don't do SEO and I don't do a lot of email marketing right now. And I haven't been showing up consistently on social media because I've been building a business and it's taken a lot of work the last few months and that's okay. No, now we have a stronger team for 2021 and we have a new strategy plan and we're really excited. Um, so looking at, you know, when I say building my list, part of how we built our list was by launching. That's how you build your list. Not everyone will buy the first time. So you may launch something and people see what you're doing and they start following you, but they don't buy yet. I have lots of people in my program who've said no to me many times. It wasn't the right fit right then, 
but it's the right fit now. And I've been doing this long enough and I stuck it out. I did, if I would have given up right away, I wouldn't be where I am now. Instead, it was okay, what's working, what's not? Let's get feedback, let's try it again. Oof, that was a bit embarrassing. That one didn't even work, let's try it again. No, and it was just this constant process. So I would say just get out and do it. If you get two people, if you get 10 people, so often we think in online, you know, we, we think of numbers in the online space, 50 people. I only have 50 people on my email list, or I only had 10 people buy my course. Have you ever been in a room where you've had the opportunity to speak to 50 people? That's awesome. You know, have you ever to have 10 people go through a course that you've created? That's fabulous. Don't get so caught up in the vanity metrics. Don't get so caught up in the big numbers. I don't have 5 million people on my email list. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You know, can you end quality over quantity? So I can't say that enough is just get it together. So it's good enough. It, if you try to get it to 100%, you're never going to get there. 80% is the new A plus, you guys. Get it to 80%. It's good enough. Get it out there. You're going to improve it next time. You're going to attract more people. You're going to grow your audience each time you put it out there. Um, and find like-minded community, you know, like-minded practitioners, people who are going to cheer you on because it is tough work. Um, it's amazingly rewarding work. And when you can do it with camaraderie and colleagues and friends cheering you on and lifting you up when you do fall on your face, it's not so bad. Um, you know, it's a nice way for us to, yeah, like we connect. It's, it's fun. You know, it's mm. fun to try new things and to be curious. And I've seen so many OTs fall in love with their profession again because they have a new outlet. They have a passion project that they can, you know, be creative and make something that's theirs. And then to see the transformation that they're able to create while they're not actively providing the service. That's the best part about an online course. You know, when you can go on vacation or when you can be off doing something and you come back and that first sale, when you don't actively have to sell, um, it's, that's where the magic happens. Like, wait a minute, I don't have to change my time for money all the time. I can actually be over here and doing something over there. Um, and that's when we really, you know, you can start to take things to a different level. Mm. Uh, I love so many of those points and I started writing them down, but there was so many. And I mean, a few things. I too started this entrepreneurial journey because I, I loved using my creativity. You know, I love being creative and I love talking to other people and soaking up their knowledge and their wisdom and their insights. And you touched on something. You said you can start a course or you can birth a course into the world with zero people on your email list. And this is exactly what I did. It was about three years ago. I did a, did a summit. So it's like an online course. Um, and I had zero people on my email list, but I generated $50,000 from that one online summit, that one course. And, and from that, my email list grew massively. And so don't feel like you need everything planned out in order for you to start. Just start and the work, will, the work will teach you, the work will lead you. As you begin, new doors will open and it's about following that trail. Um, you do not need to have everything sorted out. You do not have to have that end chapter written because um, 
you learn as you go. And I think that was so beautifully said by you and such a reminder to myself as well, because that is the path that I took. Like I, I didn't take a business course. I wasn't business savvy, but I just followed my heart. And what I wanted to do was to really reach out to a bigger audience and to speak to more people and share my message with them. And as you said earlier too, it is about people come to you because they like you. They like how you deliver that content. They like your energy. They like your vibration. They like how um, you, you talk about it and how you're speaking with them. So don't, yeah, have this imposter syndrome too where you feel like someone else is talking about it. They do it better than I do. I'm even listening to them to get tips and how they're delivering their content. But don't think people aren't resonating with you because they totally are. You will find your tribe. You'll find the people that resonate with you and like what you're doing. So yeah, just start. Don't feel like you need to have it all together. It will, it, it evolves as you evolve. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Um, and exactly, if you would have waited until you had it figured out, that summit would never have happened. Mm, absolutely. Right? And look at the ripple effect from that event, right? And, and that's what we need to remind ourselves. And we have to take time. I mean, raise your hands, everyone who's listening. Are you type A? Are you a bit of a perfectionist? Do you like to control things? Many of us in the therapy profession are. Um, and recognizing that you know, so much of this is a work in progress. And so much of this is about letting go and learning, learning as we go. You know, it really is so much about the, so much about the journey, um, but also pausing to celebrate the achievements. Mm. That's a big one too, is making sure we're not just always looking forward. We have so much to learn. We have so much to do be in the moment and make sure that you pause and look back because the gains we make in this work, you know, it's a pretty steep learning curve and we forget. I know I'm guilty of that and I work on it very hard in terms of remembering to look back and see how far I've come and celebrate. Um, even so often, again, we may not get the outcome that we wanted, but we always get the lessons that we needed. And that's something I hold close to my heart for sure. I love that. Alrighty, let's head to the three rapid fire questions, Melissa. So number one, in one sentence, how do you describe OT? In one sentence, how, and full disclosure, I forgot about this section. Uh, in one sentence, how do I describe OT? Oh my goodness, I'm on the spot for this and I'm going to give it my best shot. <laughs> <laughs> OT is this, in my experience, OT is this amazing profession that helps us to see the world in a different way and through a lens where we can break things down and take those parts and help people create magic. Mm, I love that. And on the spot too. <laughs> so good. <laughs> now I'm like, what's the second one? Oh, I forgot to read these. Okay, let's go for it. I'm ready. <laughs> this, is how, this is how we do it. Number two, what's one healthy lifestyle habit listeners can implement today? Spend less time in your furniture and more time on the floor. Mm, great. Number three, if you could only offer one piece of advice to OTs, what would it be? I could offer one piece of advice to OTs. What would it be? 
acknowledge that you are seeing the world through a unique perspective that is developed based on your hardwiring and your thoughts and your beliefs and that that is not in fact 100% truth all the time and that you should often work or connect with other people who can help you shift that perspective because we can get stuck in our box as health professionals and it's really important that we find people to help push the boundaries and get us out of that box and see things differently so find those people who make you uncomfortable find those people who are going to force you to grow and evolve and change because that's the reality we're in right now and it's important to be open-minded that is gold, Melissa. I absolutely love that. And I feel like we could do a whole podcast episode on that as well, like belief systems. Like that's something that I am very passionate about is understanding belief systems. So thank you so much, Melissa. Where can everyone find you? If they want to find out more about your courses and your mentoring and coaching, how, how do they find out what you offer? Well, going into 2021, there's really only one way to work with me, which I'm super excited about. Uh, so there, there aren't that many offers. There aren't that many courses. Um, we do have some neat things coming down through, but ultimately come to melissalapoint.com um, or you can tune in depending on when this is published. We do have our podcast that we're launching as well, where we're going to be talking more about this work. So that's OT's Gone Rogue. And we hang out on Instagram. We hang out on Facebook. Um, I take breaks, not going to lie. I'm not there all the time, but that's okay. I'm there when I need to be. Uh, but you can find me at melissalapoint.com and our, our Facebook group is OT's Gone Rogue. And then that's also the podcast. Awesome. And Instagram and Facebook is also Melissa Lapointe. Uh, Instagram's Melissa M. LaPointe and then Facebook is Melissa LaPointe. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you so much, Melissa. I really appreciate all your wisdom and insights as it relates to not only courses, but you really dove into a lot of um, just business in general. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm happy we were finally able to connect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it, guys. I hope this episode resonated with you. But more importantly, I hope it inspires you to take action. If you hang out over on Instagram, come over and say hi. Let's connect. I'm at Leanne Chris. And we'd absolutely love your radiant energy in our Facebook group family. You can find us simply by searching the OT Lifestyle Movement in Facebook. If you love this episode, I'd be super grateful if you shared it. You can take a screenshot right now and share it on Instagram or Facebook so we can connect with more amazing, open-minded OTs from around the world. And if you are sharing it on Instagram, make sure you tag me at Rhiannon and Chris so I can share it on my platforms as well. The more we share the OT lifestyle movement, the more we can create a ripple effect. And if you do love the podcast, please give us a five-star review so we can be found more easily. So that's it, guys. Go out, create the epic change that you seek in the world, one occupation at a time. Carpe diem, guys. <laughs> <laughs>